So welcome to another episode of the All Ears Podcast. We are on location here in Manchester. We're on the road. We're moving around, getting some different guests for you all together. We're here in Elizabeth Tower, beautiful backdrop for everybody. And I have a great guest who has lived a very, very life and is now a surgeon into a whole new realm. So it's a very interesting conversation. I hope you guys enjoy it. Right, Kane. So what is harder? Building up a successful clothing brand like you have with Bada or spending time in prison? It's a very, it's a very tough question. Um, you've asked me for, I'd say building a, building a clothing brand, if I'm honest. I feel like with being in prison, for me, it was, you know, at the time that I went in, even though I was doing all the cage fighting and I was young and the time that I spent in there, I feel like I would never have changed that, to get me? I would never have changed the, the past that I went through because it's made me the person that I am today and I'm proud of the man that I am. And I feel like that time was a time that I was needed because if I didn't go to prison, I was potentially gonna end up dead. And I could have ended up in prison for murder or I could have ended up being a victim of murder and being dead. So for me, I went to prison and I come out a better person, yeah? And that time for me is, it is a good time and I, it was a fun time and it wasn't necessarily hard. The only thing that was hard for me was time away from my family, feeling like I'm losing my life a little bit in terms of being locked away and wasting. But in terms of the clothing brand now, this is, this is it's a proper challenge because, you know, I've, I'm, I wasn't, I didn't have great education in school. So I've had to come and learn on the job and building a brand. You know, it's been fun, don't get me wrong, but you, you're entering into a competitive space and to be able to do what we've done over the past six years with Bado is is amazing. And, you know, we've, we've developed one of the biggest brands in the UK in terms of brand awareness. And it's been very challenging. It's been full of ups and downs. It's been testing. It's been, uh, I've, I've been through more in these six years, a lot more testing, mentally testing situations with the business than I ever did when I was in jail for the four and a half years. So I'd definitely say building a brand. I think that's something that a lot of young guys kind of do. They, they hear people like you talk about it and myself with like dark moments in your life, as dark as it sounds, going to prison and spending yeah. four years away, is like they're the moments that shape us into the men that we become. So it's like, and mine's slightly different because it was an option choice, but I chose to sleep on the floor and then live in the gym to train and not have an income or anything like that. It's a very different situation. but. To most people, if you said you want to go sleep on the floor and, and train MMA every day, yeah, of course. they wouldn't want to do it. Um, but for me, I, that's the simplest and best time of my life. And when I look back at it now, like the no pressure, no, I, I had an absolute focus and understanding of what I had to achieve and that was become a better fighter. Yeah. So that then blossomed in, and, and made me become the man I did. So with prison, for you, like you said, it almost silenced you and took, or took away the dangers that you could have had on the outside world, right? Most definitely. I feel like... You know, even though I'm not, I'm not here to glorify prison because if I'm honest, it's the it's, it's the worst place in the world for, for 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 young men especially to go to. I feel like it's a wasted time, and for me because of what I was involved in, because I was heavily immersed in gang activity and there was murders and shootings. The only reason why I'd say it was um, a situation I wouldn't change is the fact, like I said already, I could have been dead. Do you understand? So that's the only reason I wouldn't change it because. God knows who, who I could have been. I could have been UFC world champion, but I was, you know, I was training at Wolfslayer, Mike Bisbin, Rampage Jackson at this time. And I was a prospect. I was defeating other prospects. I had 
tough fights from the first pro fights, but I feel like if I didn't go to prison, how intense the gang war at the time was, I could potentially have ended up dead, like I said. So you started at mixed martial arts before prison? Yeah, so I started mixed martial arts at the age of 18. So my uncle Andy started, and to be fair with you, I started it as a bit of self-defense because I was I knew I was involved in gang wars and I wanted to, I wanted to fight, I wanted to protect myself and be able to be, you know, a, a solid member of my team at the time, you know, a part, of, a part of the gang. So training for me at the age of 18 was more about that, and that's when I started. I think that's, because how old are you now? I'm 37. Yeah, so, so this is like a while back, nearly 20 years, and you started, and then back then the sport was a completely different place, and like you said, you did it because you wanted to be a strong member of your team, and yeah. it, so you wanted to be know how to fight aggressively as well. But now the sport has completely changed in those 20 years, of course. and you missed four years of that development because of, of going away or going inside. You think, how do you compare those days going to a gym? Like you said, you went to the Wolf Slayer. Yeah. People don't know the Wolf Slayer. It's a very, very famous gym here in the UK where a lot of prospects or, or big stars came from, UFC champion and Michael Bisbee. Then now walking into, say, Manchester top team now, like what's the difference in, in approach? How would you look at it? I feel like I feel like the gym back then, there were the, the energy was different. You know, it was it was a lot rawer. You know, the kids, we were in there, we were really trying to... We were as happy. I, I can just talk from my experience. Wolf Slayer was all about having walls, but still developing your skills, but being becoming a real fighter and becoming a real man and being tested on a regular day-to-day -day basis, heavily tested. And for me, I feel like now the game's kind of developed and it's more from a technical a, a technical standpoint that people are approaching the game from, which is fine, I understand it. But it's just a different energy from when we were younger. It was just more raw and just getting in there and, and, and asserting your dominance every day and being tested every day as well. And it was... It was a real challenge, but I loved every second of it. Do you think that's good for the youth now or like the way that it's approached now as a sport? Because for me, again, I, I started around the same time. I started when I was 18, yeah. a couple of years younger than you. So you would have been 20 by this time. Yeah. So it was like, I started when I was 18 and I, I only people that, I don't want to say like really wanted to, but also were a bit messed up like got involved in yeah. martial arts back then. It wasn't like a, no one was saying, oh yeah, I just trained at my local MMA gym. It was like, no one knew what it was. Yeah. It didn't exist. So it was only like... No one no one knew who it was. Them times there, there was no one. When I was saying I was doing MMA, people didn't even know what it was. People used to say, right, you do that UFC. Do you get what I'm saying? People just be like, right, do you do that UFC? It's like, nah, I'm doing MMA. No one had a clue who it was. And this is why, like, what, 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 what am I now? Are you talking close to 20 years ago? <laughs> close to 20 years ago, Luke, that I started. And I'm still here, bro, still here, still competing, all right. You know, my last fight didn't go my way, but, you know, I, I was in there, I nearly, I nearly destroyed him, and I'm still here at the, a, a very high level, still at the age of 37. Still got fighting me now, still feel like I could go now. And you think that's what I mean? They feel like the fighters walking in the, in the gym now. Like, to be able to be 20 years on or 19 years on and still have the fire for that competition and, and, and to, to do that, do you think that there's the same athletes or same men walking into gyms now to try and be like that? They have the same fire inside them. You're 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 still training to match the top team. Well, I'm I'm well, mixing up at the moment. Mixing up. So so like, you, when you walk in, you see the young lads coming in now. The same eighteen. I mean, eighteen now is late to start. I mean, yeah, start of course it's far off. But you see the young lads coming in. They they they. What what's in their eyes compared to back then? You know what? To be fair with you, and and, and it's not even to take nothing of it. It's selective. I can see in certain people. You know, certain people. I can I can feel energies, and I know that certain fighters have mimic similar energies that I had. Remind me of certain energies that I had when I was that age. 
Um, so I still think it's down to the person themselves, the fighters themselves, and the environment that they're being raised in. You know, it's 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 all about the the culture that the the coach creates as well, the coaching team and the coaching staff, the energy, the type of people that the coaches select. Do you get what I'm saying? You need to make sure you're selecting the right type of fighters to come into your gym because you could have a great fighter, but you might not bring the right energy to the gym. So I believe that, you know, I look at some of the kids now and I think, you know what, this one's got the potential. And, you know, at Manchester top team, there, there is a lot of kids in that gym that remind me of myself and some that even, um, even are a, a bit sharper than what I was and probably even a little bit more um, ambitious than what I was. So, yeah, it, there's a balance. But you think... Though, how do you have you can can stay consistent over twenty years to have the hunger to do this? What do you think that is inside you? I, I just, I just, I just think it's 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 down to your to your um, personality type, down to your environment that you were raised in, down down to your circumstance. You know, I've I always feel like I've had a chip on my shoulder because I had no dad. You know, I had no father in my household. So for me, it was always trying to prove to other people's dad that I was good, trying to get appreciation and re and, and respect and, um, of other people's fathers because I never had a father. Do you know what I'm saying? So for me, it was kind of like I always had a point to prove. And I feel like even to this day, I've still got a point to prove. I still feel like I want to show my dad like, yeah, yeah, you messed up with this one. Do you get what I'm saying? You, you turned your back on something special and... For, to be fair with you, that's partly my motivation. Man, everyone says they've got certain motivations, but for me, people do it for like the class, the haters, and they say the naysayers and this and that. I'm not really bothered about them because they're gonna say that anyway. Do you understand? They say it about everybody, but for me, it's about my father that wasn't there but, because there's a reason he turned his back on me. And and now what I do is every time I speak about him, I just say don't. Don't allow him to take any form of accolade or any, don't hit, let him to get any form of appreciation off my name. I take it, strip it completely away from him. But when did you, uh, I mean, that's a big understanding. When did you realize that? Like obviously at, the, at 20 years old, you, you had that. I, I, I've, I've always believed, I've always believed that I was, I was different from, from being a very young boy. You know, I always believed I, I had different energy to everybody else. If you look back in my, in my school pictures, you see, everyone's taking pictures and I'm doing something mad. So it's shown me when I look back, I think, like, I have to question myself and say, why are you like this sometimes? Why have you got this drive where, why is your personality sometimes seen as a little bit overbearing for certain people? In certain realms, it's, it's great, it's motivation, it's energy. And I look back and I look back and I flip back through pictures sometimes and I see pictures of me just acting the clown, the class clown, but I always had this, different type of energy. So from from the ages of 13, 14, and I was confident and I was sure that I was gonna achieve some some good things. But you knew, like, when did you, because obviously you retrospectively look back, you just said, looking back at pictures of yourself, seeing you were a class count, when did you know that the motivation within you, uh, you worked out that? I mean, that's a great self-awareness to understand yeah. yourself at such a deep level that you are performing at such a high level and pushing yourself so hard because of the, the lack of your father back in yeah. the day. When, at what age did you think you realized that this is why I'm like this? I feel like, I feel like I've always been aware from when I started to, like I said to you, when I was yearning for other, other, other men's support and approval, you know, we'd be at football and I'd do something and I'd be looking at my friend's dad like, yes, my, did you see my goal? And I'm trying to get his approval and I'm always trying to see that. So I think from, from then I just, 
I, I, I couldn't identify it as specifically as I can now, but back then I knew like I'm I'm working because you know I'm 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 the only one in my household. I'm the one who's going to do it for my mum as well. My mum's been major motivation as well. Don't get it twisted. That's a separate um, type of motivation that I've got. But you know this drive that I've got is is definitely from the absence of my father. And obviously, I mean, you see, can't ignore the fact that. You've now got three sons of your yeah. own, right? So ironic, eh? <laughs> <laughs> so you're now having the three sons. Like, oh, it's an obvious question. That's what I got to ask. Is like, they're now young, young boys, or going to become young men. And how does that motivate you as a father now? How do you see that? And what, what sort of uh, you know imprint do you want to leave on them? Because however you want to look at it, the lack of your father, as terrible as that is, is imprinted you in. You've turned it into a positive thing. Right? Yeah, of so, course. You, he left an imprint on you that has lasted a lifetime and yeah. made you the man that you've become. So now you have your sons. I don't know if you ever think about the sort of, uh, you know, motivation that you can give them or how you're going to do that. So for me, it's like, I look at it like this, yeah? That is secondary, secondary wave of energy now. So that's my secondary, secondary wave. So I've been blessed, you know, and I, I, I do say I'll handle it out to God. I always say, but I'll say I'm blessed. I've got blessed written on my hand when I was in prison because I believed it. Um, and, you know, life gets hard, life gets tough, life gets challenging. We get hit with adversity as we go on and sometimes it can try and take the wind out of you. You've got to have that fire in you, that grit. And then I get hit with three kids now. So then I get hit with three boys, same age, same year. Um, I got three boys the year I turned 33. Hmm. <laughs> Do you get what I'm saying? And, and I've always said I'm blessed so people can... I believe I'm blessed and I, and I say that and whether my blessing has come for, my, for me to be a father for my children, I use this now as like, okay, Kane, you know exactly what it's like to not have a father. Do you get me? I know exactly what it's like. So nobody in the world can tell me how my boys are feeling because I know that they're feeling a million times better than what I did because I'm with them all the time. I, and don't get me wrong, it's challenging, bro. I'm, I, I'm, I'm very... You know, I'm very focused, I'm very hard working. You know yourself as a father, sometimes, you know, a man, a man with a purpose, you know, is is sometimes he has to be selfish and it's not always, doesn't always morally feel the best, but you know, deep down, the reason you're working is for, for your children, right? For your family, for, for, for your next generation. And I feel like as long as I keep working, keep pushing, keep persevering and, and demonstrating through action, showing them love when I'm around them, teaching them to be respectful, honor, togetherness. You know, my boys have been taught how to share with each other from, from a very young age. I teach them to share with each other. I teach them to love each other. And I show them that no matter what happens in the world, no matter where the world goes, them three will always have them three. No matter if I'm not here, if their mums are not here, them three will always have each other. And um, you know, I, I, you had you got a brother. I didn't have no brother. So when I was young, I always wanted a brother. I was thinking, ah, love to have to have a brother to back me at sometimes. You know, and sometimes when it'll get stuck on me by some of the kids on where we grew up, and I'd think, ah, I ain't got no brother or whatever. But these three have got three of them now. Do you get what I'm saying? So whoever tries to interfere, inter try to interfere with one or the other, they're, they're gonna have problems, man. So I mean, I, I got two brothers. I got an older brother and a younger brother, and I, I you know, I, growing up, we weren't that close. Okay. And there's only two years, there's two years, I'm 22 months from my older brother and like two and a half from my younger. And like, I never had that same. It's, it's, almost, it's almost like 
obviously sometimes it feels even lonelier when you're getting bullied mm. or something's happening to you and your brother ain't even there to help you mm. even when you got one you yeah I mean? yeah i can so, yeah so, it's like abandonment then yeah so it's and me and my brothers as close like i'm old me and my old brother super close now as well but it's like in those moments in time because you think I mean, I'm a big dude. My brothers are both big dudes. Well, I was growing up in school. We could have ran that place. Of you know, course, we, of we had the, maybe maybe the, the father figure the father to, figure, to, yeah, to push yeah, us that way. And that way, my dad's soft man, so it's very, very different. But I'm saying, like, I I, I, this, I got two daughters, uh, two girls. So it's like, for me, I, I have to sit here and think about what it is that a father needs to provide. You mm. gave an amazing uh, talk about what you want your kids to have. And it's like, how you demonstrate to them, I believe, and this is something that from my belief system, yeah. is like sometimes you can't be around as much as you want to be around because yeah. you're out conquering the world. But of if course. you think about what we're supposed to do as men, is like you, if as long as your sons can look up to you and be like, that's my dad, mm. you always have that connection forever. It doesn't matter if you're there feeding them or taking them to the park or every, you know, that, that, that is not what a father does. A father doesn't do the daily to day stuff. Mm. The father guides and the father shows what is possible. And I believe you, a man who's, like I said, come from prison and done what he's done and come through and now for the highest level of mixed martial arts and gone out to start businesses, you, you, your sons can always look up to you as a father and be like, okay, dad faced adversity head on and came through it. Of course. So that is like how you show. Demonstrate for demonstrate, the Demonstrate, demonstrate. But what to you, like, as a, I had a great dad growing up. For yeah. you, as someone who grew up without a father, what do you believe your job is as a dad? For me, like I said to you, look, I do believe that, you know, men are, men are definitely supposed to be out in the field and leading by by example and working to, to bring back home, right? So if you look at historically, Vikings in history, men of war, men of conquest, they used to leave home, go and conquer. And that's natural, right? I understand that. Now I understand that as, as a man, what I need to make sure that I'm aware and what I'm trying to do, because look, being a father is, is great and it's amazing, but when you're on the path that we're on, it's sometimes challenging. And the reason why the challenges come to me is because like you said, is that absence and time that I'm not with them, sometimes the guilt does come to me. You understand? And I'm not gonna sit here and make out like it doesn't because for me personally, it might be because I've had an absent father. For me personally, I am working so hard so that I can get to a certain level of financial security accomplishment and I, I've got a target in my head I've got a monetary target and I've got an accolade target I know exactly what, what I want to achieve and the reason why I'm working to that is so that when I get to that point and I can have a team around me of people who can work with me and with my with my businesses and I can spend more time then with my boys and try and put back into them um, and obviously as we as 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 we grow, me and my boys together collectively as they get older and start to understand more I'll communicate with them I'll communicate and explain to them the reason why I'm not there and the what, what it is that I'm actually doing and the reasons that I'm doing it. So then at least they have the understanding. So if ever they're with friends and their friends' dads might be with them all the time and I'm, I might miss a football game or I might miss something, they understand the reason why dad's not here. They don't have to sit there and feel like, oh, why is my dad not here? No, 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 I know dad's not here because dad's going to conquer the world because he wants to come back to us and enable us to, to live a better existence. And for me, definitely knowledge is something that I'm, I'm trying to um, be better at myself, education, educating myself on a regular basis to learn more about many things, history, economics, all these type of things I'm trying to learn. The reason why I'm learning is because I want to be able to pass it on to them.
I want them to come to me and that be a joyful space and environment of education. Do you get mm -hmm. Because it's our position as men to be able to support our younger generation, whether it's girls or boys. Because I believe that girls also are very, very important to, to society and to, 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 to men's mental health as well. You know, you, you, if you raise a woman with the right understanding when she becomes a woman and she's with a man, she's gonna support that man correctly. And that's then in turn gonna help him be able to go out and do more. And then he can come back and then society as a whole will be, will be rising together collectively in a better way. So I feel like parents are very important. Mother and father do, do um, have different roles to, to, and everyone's circumstance is different as well. But I feel as a father, you know, our, our role is to show strength. And I, I do, I, I read something or, and it was about a, a father shows love to his daughter in a different way to what is to their mum will. And he loves her in a, in a way where she knows she's safe and she's protected, but still, if, she, if, 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 if his girl's hurting, he'll still, you know, console her, but he'll give her the little tougher way of doing it. So then maybe when she gets older and she gets that type of love off a man, she understands how a man loves differently. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, man, it's, it's an exciting time, man. And parents are very important, man. I think we kind of skipped over it, so I'll go back to it because some yeah. people will be watching. Obviously, I know, and a lot of people will know, but some people watching, you said that you got three sons all born in the same year. Right? Yeah, yeah. So we can't just skip over that. I right? didn't skip it. Listen, you know me. I'm here with you, our kids. So from when I'm here with you, anything you want to know, just ask me, man. I'm just saying. So like, obviously, that situation. Let's let's talk about it. Three sons. Yeah. All born in the same year. Yeah. I know it's different mothers, but you want yeah. to explain how how it all comes. Yeah. Out? So um, to be to be honest with you, I was I was single, and um, the twins, Kyan and Kyle, I I met their mother, um, and she ended up becoming pregnant. We wasn't officially together. She got pregnant, and she went for a scan, and it and it was twins, and it was, you know, sometimes, you know, you you, you get situations happen where people get pregnant from time to time. It's happened in the past before. She wasn't the first. And it wasn't the right time for the girl and the circumstance wasn't right. This situation happened and, you know, she had twins and it was more about, well, now I was at a stage in my life, I was, I was a bit more mature and I spoke to my mum about it. And my mum just said to me, look, son, you know, the twins, it's a, the children are a blessing anyway. You know, you've, you've got twins, well, you know, we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to ride this one out. We're gonna have to support this situation. And that's what I did as a man, I was single at the time. And then I, obviously the situation with the twins mum didn't, that didn't go anywhere, but obviously she's pregnant. So I'm, I'm keeping contact with her, making sure she's all right. You know, visiting visiting the hospital with her for her scans, making sure everything was okay. One of the twins at, the, at one point was, um, it was a bit touch and go with one of the twins. So I was feeling it at that point, but. In, in the midst of that, I actually met um, my son, Akirima, his mum. And, you know, when we when we started getting close and we were actually became, got into a relationship, I made her aware of the situation with the with the twins mum. Well, before we got into a relationship, when we started getting feelings towards each other, I made her aware of that situation. And um, she went away and thought about it and come back to me and said, look, I appreciate you letting me know, I respect it. 
and um, I can deal with it and we'll, we'll work to kind of get through it together and support the situation as best as we can. And then, lo and behold, four months later, she got pregnant. You know what I mean? She come to me and, um, and she said, yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm having a baby. And obviously I was in a relationship with her and it was like, right, well, you know, we're in a relationship, we're in a loving relationship, so let's go, let's let's get to it. So obviously a bit, bit messy, we don't talk about the rest of it, but then like wind forward now that the boys are four years old, how that dynamic now where you've got three sons, two mum, like it must be... It can, you know what it is, situations can become complicated if if there isn't like a clear and concise understanding and respect kept, you know, and, um, you know, balancing women's emotions and um, sometimes, you know, people have got thought processes towards the situation, not even in your relationship, outside sources, people can try and throw two pences in and, but we've, we've, we've got it under control and it's a, it's a good understanding and it's a lot of respect and, um, it works well, man. I see my kids as much as I can. My kids are together as much as I can. Like my dad never brought me around. Look, I've got, how many of I, I've got, I've got six brothers and sisters on my dad's side. And I only met my, two of my sisters about three years ago. I met my little brother, Jacob, who's in London. I met him about 10 years ago. I had to go down to London. His mum messaged me on Facebook. I don't really know any of my siblings except for Jacob, like for, on my dad's side. They didn't bring us together, you know. I, there's a time when my dad must have took me to 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 the hospital to see his 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 mum while she was dying, and he, he he was just going on with himself, and I was I was actually angry inside me because I, he was taking me to see his mum who was dying, but I didn't have a relationship with her, and that was his fault. So when he was upset, I was upset for him, but at the same time, I wasn't really truly upset about the situation and that frustrated me. So I refuse now to have that situation occur with my boys. So I have them all together. They all go to Nana's, they all see the aunties, they all see my sister, they all see the cousins. They know they've got a big family. They've got, we've got a very big family. So I keep them all around each other as much as I can. And you know, I do the best job I can, Luke. Yeah, so trying to, balance men that disconnect because i mean it just sounds like a complicated situation but like you said doing the doing the best you can and i think well now whilst being leaving, a whilst being a profile that's what i'm saying whilst running one of the the you know most known brands in the uk you know and whilst trying my hardest to work on my own self-development it's a it's a challenging situation but we always say god gives his toughest challenges to his strongest soldiers so i embrace that aspect as well yeah and then so you talk about your mma career obviously you're saying before prison you started, you were in one of the biggest gyms you could have in Manchester around all these people that become legends. And then you come out and obviously you're you're like raw coming out. You yeah. Know what I mean, and then you, you find your way into an MMA gym. How did that journey start? Where did you start? Like, let's say that's officially when you started training, when you come out. Like, where were you training then? What was so, the people around you and who inspired you to, to you know, to become who you are? So what happened was I went, I, I was training pro uh, I had two pro com contests. I went to Wolf. I went to Wolf Slayer. Then I went going to the Ultimate Fighter. Mm -hmm. Went to the Ultimate Fighter trial. Sorry, got turned out because they didn't have enough fights. Um, and then they told me to come back. And then when I had more fights, so they wanted three fights minimum. Yeah, you know, and it could, mm -hmm. three fights minimum. So I went back, won a fight in Liverpool. That was my second pro that I won. And I was just needed one more. Then I was going to go to the show. 
but I was under operation at the time by the police, so I got arrested for firearms. Three days after my pro debut, I went to prison, stayed focused in jail. Um, you know, but before I went to jail, I was training with Rampage Jackson, Mike Bisbin, Paul Kelly, you know, at the Wolf Slayer with some of the best fighters in the world. And it, that within itself, just being around the energy was enough motivation for me to know. And I was competing with other fighters in there and I was doing really well in the gym on a regular basis. So that environment was enough for me to keep going. When I went to prison, I was like, nah, I know where, where I'm going to get when, when I get out. And I, not, not once did I falter with my belief system. Uh, I, I knew that I'd get out and, and continue. And then obviously when I came out, um, started with Jimmy Boiled, Andre Winner, Rough House did a bit up there because I was, I, mm. I went to, um, I was at Mansfield Pure Gym and it was, wasn't was far from the prison that I, was, that I was staying at. So I used to go to their gym, carried on training with them and then come back to Manchester, linked up with Brendan and then everything else from there with my uncle Anthony and we just, we just worked hard. And then obviously with Carl and then to Manchester top team and the rest is history, man. Because then it's been, how many fights you had now? What am I now? 12 and five. So it's been 17, well, 17 pro fights. Yeah. yeah. So it's, I mean, 17 pro fights over a long, a long time, you know, like you said, with all the other things that you have going on. And I know, I would say like fighting, you can have your highest highs and your lowest lows. Like some of the losses I've had in my life have been devastating in the moment and heartbreaking in the time. And obviously coming up your last fight with everything that happened to you with, with Bellator and then how, what is your mindset now with the fighting game? How do you feel, you know, with the Bellator thing happening now, PFL have bought Bellator and it's all like moving around like under your feet, like you can't control it. Yeah. Obviously, you know, it's a young man's sport and you're getting yeah, on of course. Bit. So it's like, well, where, where are your motivations now when it comes to fighting? Well, when it comes, to be fair with you, bro, I still, I'm still ready to go. Like, but the reality is, the reality is what we have to work with. Um, I've got my, I've got my brand that needs, needs me right now to focus on it. There's a lot of amazing things happening with Bado at the moment. Um, there's a lot of amazing opportunities that are on the table for us. I've developed a, an amazing team. And my focus is on Bado at the moment, Luke. It's like, for me, it's the brand is gonna be, you know, it's got the potential to be, you know, one of one of the biggest brands to ever come out of the UK. And the amount of opportunities that are on the table for us right now, it, it, it's it's a no brainer that my focus has to stay with the brand. So, you know, I balanced, I balanced it I balanced it well throughout my career, but now it's time to put some focus in on the brand and take the brand. Obviously, we just launched the kids' collection. Well, we're launching the kids' collection. Um, so with fighting itself, I'm, I'm setting probably next year, April, you know, I'm, I'm in conversations with a few um, promotions, some major promotions, having conversations, MMA and boxing. You know, I was just on the phone to Darren Till then. Darren Till saying, listen, tell that Misfits Boxing will get on there. So, you know, we there's there's... There's a lot of opportunities on the table. And for me, I just have to make sure I make the right decision. You know, I don't want to put myself in a fight just to fight. And when I fight, I fight to win. Do you know what I'm saying? My last fight, I got caught cold. Well, I got caught, yeah, second round. I, I was just finding my groove. You know, I've, I, I, Thibaut Gotti, you know, he was in the UFC, break, putting a lot of pressure on a lot of fighters. No one ever made him take a back step. No one. I watched all his fights. I watched him fight Oban Mercy, Nazrat, all of them. No one put him on his back foot. He was always a front foot fighter. And I think in that fight, I just I put so much emphasis in my mind about being able to break that part of his game that once I did it, I took, I took my, that was, the, that was the fight won. So I went into autopilot and just glided and was having so much fun in it and he caught me. And that's where, for me, it's like, okay, well, I didn't get out. I didn't, I didn't get beat up. I got caught. 
It's a difference. If I got beat up where I'm like, oh, I'm broken and he's beating me and he's hitting me and I'm going down, I'm thinking, wow, I don't want no more of this. That's when the fight's been beaten out of you, but the fight didn't get beat out of me. He, he poked me in my eyes second round and started apologizing. That's when I knew again, I thought, you, you fucking scared, bro. I thought, you scared. And I was so infuriated that he poked me. I was like, don't don't say so no, that he said sorry. I'm like, bro, no, 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 you're not saying sorry, but that's where my downfall, my experience should have came in. Cause I should have stayed composed at that point. Cause I knew I was, he teeped him to the gut. I had him weakened. I kicked him again. You watch that fight back. I kicked him twice in his gut and he, he, he winced. And as I've gone in, I thought, all right, I've got you now. So I opened up, mm. squared up, and he caught me on the way in. So after I finished that fight, it's like, well, I look back and I reflect and I think, ah, you didn't get beaten up, you got caught. And for me, caught's not enough for me to quit. For me to quit is when I know I'm in there and I'm like, I don't want to be in here no more. And I was having so much fun in that fight, bro. Loot, I was having so much fun that when I got beat, I got back to the changing room thinking, you're not bad. You took it for granted. He was just playing it. Because once he did that poke, Mr. I, I thought, no, bed, you, I was like, oh, I'm going to murder this kid. I'm going to destroy you. And it was like, nah, nah, you got caught. And that's another level of experience that, that I learned from that fight. But in terms of the fight within me, fight is still strong, bro. That exact same thing happened to me against the fight called Jorge Gonzalez, where I was piecing him up all over the place, had no problem and could, could have missed, could have missed. But tough Mexican kid just took these shots. And then I like faded off to one side and he threw a right hook and I blocked it, but he threw like a double right hook and he just clipped me. And then I was at the end of the fight. And I was like, how'd that even happen? Like, uh, just, uh, so I know exactly what you know that feeling. Because I, I was in complete control, control. of the fight. So then it don't feel like a loss when you come yeah, out of there. Yeah, yeah. It's like, you've come out, I come out and I was kind of like, yeah. In my head, because remember, we all go through mental battles, don't care what any, any fighter says. You go through a mental battle, everyone's battle's different, yeah. My battle in that fight was, I am fighting a man who I have not seen anybody break. And I like to stand in the pocket and go for it. So in my head, I'm thinking, you got yourself there. This is, this is gonna be the one, you know, where you're really gonna get challenged to see who's got the fucking cojones. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Who's got, the, who's got the balls? Who's the one who's really got it inside of them? Who's got that dog? Who's got that lion? Who has got it? And it was me, but it wasn't about the lion. It's not about the lion all the time. You have to know sometimes at this level, it's not just about the lion and I made it about the lion okay. and because I made it that. But so maybe you won your own internal mental battle, but that mean you won the fight. Cause, exactly. Because you, you were focusing on the wrong thing, not wanting the outcome. Now, and that's the thing about like the, the, the greatest fighters of all time is they always find a way somehow to get that. They always have the win in the fight at the, the, the top, the of, top the of the mind. Yes, exactly. And, you know, so it's, it's, it's a tough thing to deal with. But I think um, you scoped over it a little bit when talking about the fighting future and you were set, talking about badder so much. And I mean, I know thousands of fighters and I, I, I've done every job in MMA you could think yeah. of from running being a promoter to commentating to being a referee to actually being a fighter competing I've been to thousands of events no thousands of fighters and the thing I find interesting is not many of them can like take the the integrity the honor the discipline all of the hard hardships and the hard stuff we put in the in the gym that not many people can transfer that outside so for you to do that and then start a business like you have what do you think motivated you to 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 come like come up with batter? Where did batter start? What was the thought process behind it? And how have you 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 again been consistent with that? I said you're six years in. Six years in building a business is hard bloody work. So yeah. how have you managed to keep that up? And why do you think you went that way? I well, the main thing was you know I was approached by 
Um, and now then, no longer business partner, Carl. He had started, um, he was the one who created Jim King. He came up to me and he said to me, look, you know, um, let's let's start a brand up. We had a, we had a sit down, had a brainstorming meeting and we were talking about everything about life and battle was the, was the word that came up and it just clicked at the time. It was being a bad man and what I represent and being a tough guy and, you know, that, 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 that persona of, of never backing down and always standing strong and being resilient. And um, the word came around and we just locked it in. From there we went, we made sure the name was available, everything was available and we took it. And from there it was just kind of bringing my ethos of my mentality and the fight game, you know, the fight game really played a big role in it because we had all the fighters wearing badder at the time and it was just a brand that represented it. And it was, for me, was always been about impacting people's lives for the better, yeah? And this business that I'd created allowed me to do that. So not only am I making money, not only am I building something, I'm actually being able to impact people's lives because the brand is about being a dangerous rival. It's about competitive spirit. So when people are wearing badder because they've seen other top fighters wearing it and all the fighters are wearing it and it's it looks good and this and that, people are wearing them clothes and they're like, yeah, I'm a bad man now. I've had people come up to me, I've had guys come up to me and say, bro, when I put a badder tracksuit on, I'm looking, I'm not having a fighter, bro, but when I put a badder tracksuit on, I'm like in the mirror, like, yeah, who wants it today? Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so it's, what I'm saying to you is though, for me, that's what it's about. Yeah. Cause that's when you create something more than just clothing. You, that's when you create a brand, that's when you create a movement and that's what Bada represents. And that's what's been able to give me that, you know, even though it's been tough at times, if the brand represents being a dangerous rival and never stopping, never quitting, then how can I stop and quit? Do you get what I'm saying? I'd be a hypocrite. So for me, you know, we've been through so many um, ups and downs and, you know, it's just been an amazing journey and we've impacted so many people's lives. So many people have wore Bada and there's still what I wear about it. And we've got, we've, I, I built a, when I say I've got an amazing team now, you know how it goes sometimes through business and, and relationships and people and communication. And now I've got such a solid team. Everyone knows the position, everyone's in place. We've got some big things coming next year, especially for the men's. This year we're launching the kids collection. So with the kids collection, what we did was, uh, once again, about impacting, yeah? Right, so let's talk about how we, how we, we lead through action, okay? So words, a one thing and then the actions back here. So with the kids collection, it was always about, I've always said the badder give back scheme. Something I've always said from the beginning, the give back, the give back, the give back, the give back. And I've done bits going to schools and talking to kids and giving a bit of motivation here, but I've always wanted to do more. And um, we're in a position now where we did the pop-up store in Trafford Centre. And it was it was amazing sellout. We, we, we sold virtually everything that we had there. But we, what, what we did was we did auditions for the kids collection. So I had kids coming in to audition to be models and the parents brought them down. It was, a, when I say an amazing community um, um, situation where everyone come down with the kids and the kids were modeling. And, and what happened was I said to the team after, the, we did two weeks there. I said to the team after, I said, look, I can't choose one, two, three, four, five kids. I said, for one, they're all six superstars. But for two, how can we be the community brand for the people? And the first opportunity these kids get to be something, we turn them down. I don't care if I choose five. Or I'm not choosing not, I'm choosing them all. <laughs> so on the day when I was supposed to announce five winners, 
all the parents are nervous, everyone's scared, everyone's nervous. I just said, listen, bad is about the people. And I said, what we're gonna do on this one is we're gonna um, choose you all. And they all came up on stage. And then it took us a bit of time logistically to get everything in place. But then we did the campaign the other day and I got 30 kids down, right? Logistically, me and the team put it together and it was mayhem, but we organized it with 30 kids on a day. We shot them at each kid had their own individual shots taking um, videos, we did interviews with them, we spoke with them, they were hitting pads on the shoot. Oh, Luke, honestly, listen, bro, it was amazing. And for me, that's who I am. Do you get what I'm saying? And this is where I find my purpose in things like giving back to people. Do you get me? And if I can inspire these kids to be something, then I'm doing more for them than what my dad did for me. Because I know being young, wanting a purpose and trying to search for something and there's nothing there sometimes. It feels like a... Feel, you feel lost. So now we've done the campaign, we're going in foot signing with it and this will be out after the launch on Sunday. So we've partnered up with Nerf, the Nerf experience, which is like a kid's place where they go and do all gaming. They do like um, um, gel gun shooting and um, all different games. And we partnered up with them officially and we've, we're gonna launch with our kids collection. We did a, a sick campaign video. Uh, you can probably, we'll repost it up or something, but. Yeah, we're gonna push that kids collection through. And then next year, we're, we're launching um, the new phase, the new look of Bado. It's been an amazing um, journey. I've got a, a new creative director on board. He's come and me and him have sat down. We spoke historically about what Bado represents and what Bado means, but we understand that fashion moves forward. And people that have historically been with Bado have gone through a journey of growth in terms of their style and fashion mm. and people and necessarily moving on. So what we're doing now is trying to make sure that we can tap into all our historical um, supporters, clientele, whatever you want to call them, and give them something that kind of shows them that we're moving with them. So we're going to be doing exclusive collections, premium quality now, at a slightly higher price point, but the ethos of being a dangerous rival and, and quality garments are always going to be there and you know we're, we're creating a movement man and the movement still continues so and you think talking about creative directors campaigns <laughs> creating movements all this sort of stuff yeah, any of these thoughts come into your head when you're back in the prison nah this is what and this is why you know this is why I'm saying you know you have to you have to count your blessings man you know you have to be you have to actually be grateful but you always have to believe, and that's why I always tell everybody, make sure that you always believe in yourself. And even, even when me and you had a conversation, bro, me and you sat down, it was in Abu Dhabi, and we had a conversation, and you were saying to me, you were just being real with me, and I loved it. You were just saying like, bro, I don't know what I'm, well, I'm a fighter, but am I a fighter now? And, I'm, and, 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 and I just sat with you, and I, keep, I always message, every time I see you do something, that elevates your status or your progression, I always give you a message and say, yo, bro, because I remember that conversation and I actually felt it for you in that conversation because I was like, this guy's searching now. This guy's really searching, but I said to you, I said, bro, you're gonna do it. Whatever it is that you wanna do, bro, I can tell what type of character you are, you're gonna do it. And how many, what was it when Lerone made his debut, yeah? Probably three or four years ago now, it's a while ago, yeah, yeah. So it's about, and, and, and look, time moves quick, bro. I know, but you move with it though. You get what I'm saying to you, you was aware that time moves fast and that's where you, we always have to be, especially when we're trying to be better. We have to be ready to keep moving and be ready to adapt and be ready to move forward. So, you know, it's kind of where I'm at now as a person, 
fighting is always in me and I've still got fight in me and I will compete next year. So for everyone who, what can we for everyone who's been asking me, because I'm sick of everyone asking me, right? I will be fighting next year and um, we will have a scrap, but it's going to be at the right time, man. And even bare knuckle, even bare knuckle, Luke, oh, get in there and just, just have a little tear up. Do you know what I mean? I love fighting, man, and it's always going to be in me, but I will never be a journeyman. I will never be a fighter who just fights just, just because, no, I will be always... If I sign a contract, believe me, best believe I'm putting a camp in and I'm going in there to take him out. But so, so, I mean, amazing story, like saying that the transformation of yourself from being in prison, going to fight and learning these things. But you've obviously always had something internal that's made you want it. You were talking about giving back to the youth and all these things. And we spoke about your father already. But what, what do you think gave you like the entrepreneurial spirit to take on such a big challenge as producing a clothing brand? You said it's the most... It's the craziest um, competitive thing in yep. the world right now. So it's like trying to produce something that can keep up with the competition is like, that takes a real entrepreneurial spirit. Of course. So when do you think you fested that or how do you think you built that? I, I, if I'm honest with you, I know exactly what you're trying to, what I just believe it is to be is my belief system. My belief is that I am going to do great things. So because my belief is so strong within myself, my belief in myself, even when things don't go right within the business, so I don't ever lose belief, I never lose belief ever because I think once you lose belief, bro, everything can fall apart around you. Belief for me is the foundation. I, for me, my belief system is my foundation. My, whether it's gonna be, I know with battle, but whether it's gonna be anything, whatever it is that I'm gonna do, I'm gonna be successful. And I will not accept any other outcome. But how do you think how do you think that's installed in you? When was that installed? Why was it installed? Like I I, I feel exactly the same thing and I can talk about it, but when when do you think that and why are you like that? What built you that way? Yeah, for the other young kids listening who are, who want to achieve something, they think I want to be great. What what mechanism was it in you that made you think like I'm gonna be, I'm gonna do this? If I'm honest, I think like when when you as someone that's around other competitive people, other 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 young boys, especially in school, you know, I always knew that I was, like I said, I was a bit lively, there was a bit, I had this thing in me. And the only thing that I can put it down to is that, like I said to you, is the fact that, the fact of, that I've always wanted to be something I've always wanted to be somebody. So for me, it's believing that you're gonna be somebody. I've always believed because I just look at it like, if he can do it, then I can do it. And if he can do it, then what is, what is, he's, 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 he's only human, bro. He's only human. So if he's only human and I can implement a similar strategy or the same strategy or I can implement, pull something from what he's done, then it's it's inevitable that something's gonna come. And I said an analogy years ago, I said, look, if 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 we if if the stars are flying up and we're aiming for the stars, bro, yeah. I need to be a star that flies. And if my target is all the way up here and I get halfway, but I believe I can get there, even if in the end I only get halfway. Halfway is so further than from where I started. Do you get what I'm saying, bro? Yeah, I think the the generic version of it is uh, 
if you aim for the moon, you'll hit the stars or something. Something along, that along them lines, bro. And it's that, it's that, man. We, you know, we have to, we have to believe in ourselves and we have to be better, man. We've got, we've got next generations to to impact. And whether you have children or not, you, there's gonna be younger people around you. And as human beings, our purpose on this earth is to pass pass on knowledge. No, I mean, I'm surrounded by winners is yeah. how i describe it and every winner that i meet and every person I, you know, everyone i have on the podcast is a winner doing well so i'm you know but every time i have that conversation and i talk to them that you see the same thing like you're saying they're only human okay I, I had a guy on the podcast maybe last month he's got a 10 figure business 10 wow. figures bro wow and i was saying to him impressive he's just, he's just some dude from derby who just kept going, kept working, kept doing, kept pushing, like he said, believing he was gonna do it and all these sort of things. So I think having these concepts in your brain or these, this, you know, it's it, it, there's nothing special about all these people that you're Not, looking up to apart from the fact that they never stopped and they never finished and they kept pushing and they kept going. So I believe it's inevitable that you're gonna achieve what you wanna achieve with whatever it's gonna be course. as long as you, you know, are a dangerous rival and you keep pushing forward and then there's no way that you cannot achieve what, what you're going to achieve. So. I believe that about myself. I believe about the people that I see. And I think we had that conversation in Abu Dhabi. The only reason I even had that conversation with you is because I can sense we have that connection and we understand each other. And the only reason I sense and understand that is because of energy or something you want to explain. Unexplainable of force. But when I, the more winners I meet, the more I realize it's possible. And, and, and you said that you have like a financial goal in mind that you'll, you'll be able to support your family or your generations to come. And I, my only advice would be like add a zero onto whatever that is because yeah. the, the the more zeros you add, the more likely you are you're gonna like you just said. The if start. you're aiming here, let's aim here, and you're gonna get. Yo, believe it, that number's a high number. Yeah, I know it's that number's a high number, boy. You know, let's push it and make it. And that's higher. why now, and that's why now I'm into two other projects as well. Like I, I, I was speaking to you earlier about what we're doing now in the crypto space, and obviously, um, you know yourself. Um, I, I work with Mike Hales and the guys at D Hub and. They're a very, very special team in understanding that the actual that actual space, and we've we're working on on a new meme coin at the moment, which is kind of going to give utility and charity, and it's a meme coin, and it's about a bomb shelter it's called Bomb Shelter in You. It's an amazing idea created by um, one of the founders, Mal, and um, our aim is to build community bomb shelters, bro, and that's what we're working towards, and we actually have got. Um, agreements with, with like some some of the top um, bombshell builders in the world. That if we you know we hit our goals and our and our and our um, targets, that we're actually going to be doing that. And that's something that's a this project that's going to launch very soon. So it's something that I'm kind of I'm very passionate about because at the end of the day, I believe you know the world's going in in a crazy way, bro. And you know I'm not I'm not a specialist in the area of. Um, everything that's happening, but I'm 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 keeping myself in tune, man. I'm not I'm not being I'm not being too far away from what's going on. And for me, you know, this project that we're working on, it's an amazing project, bro. And um, it's got it's got a lot of people interested, a lot of people excited. I mean, I think right now with the state of the world and what's going on, war seems to be inevitable in any part of the world, whatever it's gonna be, where there's always another war popping up and it's something happening. happening. And we could go deep down the rabbit hole. Yeah, but we don't that. need we to don't go need that to deep. Right now. But, but I'm saying, so if, if there's anyone out there trying to create utility for something that's gonna, you know, create bomb showers and look after and save people's lives, then it can't, it can only be a good thing. You know what you I'm saying? You get what I'm saying? And this is where, for me, it's like, look, when 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 the proposal was put forward to me for, 
for the for the project and um, for obviously there's other projects as well that we're working on in, in this space but this for me this project itself is you already know how the crypto space goes you already know if, if certain projects take off you already been aware you you've understood it I've learned from you to be fair yeah actually let's uh, you was a person who actually put me in and, and made me aware and um and that's kind of where my intrigue built for it, came from for it. And um, you already know yourself on certain projects get certain amount of legs and a lot of people get involved. The, the world's, the sky's the limit with them type of situations. Well, when it comes to crypto now, like if you talk about the cycles of crypto, you're in the right position now to be launching a project because the, the, the next cycle's coming up. And I think what people may be listening, if you don't have any understanding of the crypto space, you mm -hmm. need to get an understanding. They just released uh, the digital euro. That's one of the things yep. that they're gonna be pushing on us soon. And digital euro, they're going to tell you that you can ha you can get the digital euro, invest in the digital euro. You're still going to be able to have cash, mm -hmm. but get the digital euro. They're lying to you. Okay. Anything that's a CBDC that's backed by the CBA, government, yeah. you don't get involved with because mm -hmm. that's how they're going to control us in the future. Again, that, don't yeah. want to go down the, yeah, uh, we don't the need rabbit to. hole, but I'm saying like, so if the government now are, are launching you know, CBDCs, which is basically cryptocurrencies that are backed by the banks, yep. then... The only way the world is moving is towards crypto. I'm 100%. saying that's where it's going. So if you have no knowledge of crypto now, then you're going to have to have it in 100%. the next coming years because it's going to be the only way you're going to be out. Fiat is going to die. It's on the way out. It's going to happen. And cryptocurrency is going to be the only type of currency left. So if you have no understanding of it, I, I strongly advise I you to you, you understand yourself. and educate yourself. I mean, I've been in the game a little while. I'm not, you know... No, you good. Guy, but I you good. You good. You yeah. good. You good. You good. You good. You good. You good. cycle and this cycle, I think, will uh, get me where I need to be. But I think uh, the people that are missing out on it is it's a crazy world out there, and I think there's a there's a lot that could be learned. And, and any projects that are helping communities as well and helping people. That's the main thing for me. The that, fact yeah. for, the fact for me is this this is kind of like if you think about everything that I said throughout the podcast, then it just ties right back in. Yeah, it's a community bomb shelter project to build for for the communities to help save people's lives, potentially, if that's where the world ends up being. And, and it's getting closer and closer. I mean, you look at what's going on now uh, in Israel and everything that's happening, but then it was before that was Ukraine, and you would think that's that, I've been to the Ukraine many, many, many times. I know people from there, yeah. and, I'm, and, I, and you're, it's in your real life. It's, yeah, 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 because we was, in Poland, the... we was in Poland together when yeah, we were commentating, yeah, yeah. and there was shows of, like, the, we could have been over there, and, and then look what happened to it. So it's, it's getting closer and closer to us, and I, I feel like, the more knowledge you have on that subject and everything going on, and it's going to it's going to happen in Africa. It's going to it's going to, it's going to keep growing. So, I think um, I, I believe there will definitely be utility for that that that, that project. So I think that's great as well. And I think and our motto with that is, we're not scared, we're prepared. When they say you like that one, they, they say they said some of my friends said this to me recently. He said you're only paranoid until you're right. So people can say, you're paranoid, you're paranoid, you're paranoid. paranoid. And then when you're right, everyone's like, oh, I wish I would have listened. And so uh, I've learned them lessons, Luke. I've learned them lessons in many different, uh, many different situations and scenarios. So, I'm, I'm, you know, like I said, I'm trying to stay ahead of the curve and it doesn't matter whether it's with fashion, whether it's with crypto, whether it's with economics, whether it's history. History gives us an understanding of where we come from. So it kind of keeps you aware of where we're going. So, so history repeats itself, right? Exactly. So I think uh, understanding that is great. I get asked this question a lot and I wanted to, to uh, you've been talking about it quite a lot. So they, maybe yeah, yeah, hit me with it. I literally got asked it today again. And it's like, if you could go back in time and speak to yourself when you're a 14 year old boy, like what would be the, because obviously you're talking about community and looking after people. What would you tell yourself at 14? Like what would be the, you know, and it could be general, like if you're going to go back now, I know you deal with a lot of 
we, we, I meet a lot of kids and talk to a lot of kids, especially in the MMA space. But if you could go back to yourself when you were 14 years old, what would be the advice that you could give yourself? Don't worry as much about what everybody else is thinking. Because once you become an adult, what everybody else used to think doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. When you you make decisions as a young man or a young girl and you do things, peer pressure puts you in situations and you think everyone's going to be thinking something. And then it makes you act in a certain way. But as you get older, no one even cares about what you did when you were 14, 15. No, one taught, no, one, no one's interested. So I'd say to Kane, just don't worry as much as what, about what everyone thinks of you and what everyone's going to gonna say about you when you do certain things. Just focus on yourself and believe in yourself the same way you did. I think if you... Look, take this forward now to us right now. So that at 14 is, is golden advice. But even right now, as we stand here, is like, we're going to die one day. Of course. And when we die, people are going to come to our funeral and they're going to cry. And they're going to say, oh, Kane was a man, loved Kane. He was a great guy. And then as soon as they get in their car and the phone rings and they got to pay the bills, so they, they, they forget Done. you even existed. Done. So if you're judging what you do in your life off of the opinions of others, those people are going to forget you. Even even your brothers, even your, your closest friends, they are going to forget you the moment you are gone. So you need to live your life for you and, and make the decision. Like I always talk about taking, taking my own path. And I actually believe if I went back in time and I spoke to myself at 14, I would say what everyone else is doing do the opposite. Yeah. Because I think yeah, yeah, yeah. the opposite from everyone else, yep. you're always going to be hit home. Hit, you know hit I mean? home, yeah. Like that's always going to be better than what they're, everyone else is doing. Because I think, uh, you know, being a sheep and following everyone else and listening to everyone else's advice is never going to get you anywhere. You will mm. find yourself and the best way to find yourself is to push into the unknown and test yourself. 100%. And you, what I think, we understand that as MMA fighters and people that put themselves through hardship every single day and push themselves through pain. I think if you're young, and you haven't put yourself through pain, like that's, the, the, everyone you look up to in the world, anyone that you look up to and think, this guy, this guy's great, I wanna be like him, he has had to go through hardship of to course, get there. Yes. So if you're avoiding tough situations, we spoke about it, if you're avoiding like hardship, if you're avoiding going through, through, through those, those, those tough days, you're never gonna get any better and you're never gonna become the guy that you look up to. So you have to really dive in and almost search for the tough times. Search for, I'm not saying go to prison, but search for when 100%. you're in prison and, and appreciate being there, you know. And obviously, a good friend of mine recently spent uh, three months in prison unjustly, and we talk about it every single day. And he's like, for him, he is so happy that that happened to him because yeah. it made him realize everything that he has. Yep. You know, and you can uh, understand like- Prison from, does that to you, it gives you that gratitude. Gives you that gratitude and gives you that clarity of, of, of what you want from your life. You know 100%. what I mean? So you have come out now and you've grasped it with both hands and gone after it. At first with fighting, now with Bada, and now with any of these future projects you have going on, now with the crypto space. I mean, anything that you have going on now, you understand the urgency to, to, to achieve these things because yep. one day we're going to be gone and then all we have is, is the legacy that we leave. 100%. You know what I mean? So I think what, what else is going on in Camus as well right now? Um, for where I'm up to now, currently, obviously we've got, um, and, uh, and the side passion for me, look, I'm always about earning money, right? Yeah. Because I believe that without finance for me, without finance, you, you know, you can't support your family to the best of your ability. You know, financial strain is not a nice place for anybody, you know, and, and life's not, when people say it's all about money, no, life is not all about money, but believe me, money is a very, very, very important part of life. And that is because, you know, when people are under financial strain, 
it doesn't make living a, a good place to be, a, a good existence. So for me, I work to, to make money and um, another, and I also want to have fun when I'm making money. And I like to be passionate about something that I'm doing. I'm passionate about clothes. Um, I'm passionate about this, um, the kids stuff that we're doing. And I'm passionate about dogs. So when I was younger, I used to always breed dogs, but I always used to do my own type of outbreeding with dogs, yeah? I had pit bulls and I used to breed them all and try and mix a Johnson Bulldog with a pit bull and trying to make a bigger pit bull. And, and when I went prison, they took my, they neutered my dog, my boy, and it was one of my um, outbreeding Johnson pit bull bulldog breeds. And he was a big dog. And I wanted to ha I wanted to get his, his semen to, to breed another dog. But then when I went in jail, they neutered him. So I couldn't breed. So that was the, that was the end of my, Bloodline, yeah, so I was, no, no, Luke, listen. Bro, I was wounded, yeah, it hurt me, yeah. So then obviously I came out, did my thing, and then pit bulls are too big for me now. I love them as a breed, but for me, they're too big. Um, and then the, the French Bulldog space came around and I found my, my intrigue came into it. And then I understood that these guys are breeding French Bulldogs, but then I started hearing about how much money was being made. Like, you know, some French Bulldogs are being sold for 150,000 pounds. Some of them are being sold for 200 grand, some 50, 60. And then obviously at the bottom end. So the way the game is structured is that it's about um, outbreeding at this level is outbreeding for specific looks and DNA and breeding it back to the French Bulldog, then doing generational breedings to make that trait stay in it. But it makes it back to a, a French Bulldog if you breed it over and over and over again, but you breed the outbreed. But then what happens is it's it's very competitive and it's a natural movement. So for me, as my side passion, I breed exotic, high quality French Bulldogs. Um, and the partner that my partner that I'm working with, he's got international relationships and he sells uh, dogs all around the world, Germany, America. So that's like a little passion for me, but it's a passion that also Makes money as well. Yeah, it makes a bit of money. I mean, I know nothing about dogs. Yeah, listen, that's imagine. another rabbit hole we could yeah, go down. I could but never imagine that's buying a dog for 200 grand. Nah, but it's, the, the breeding, that's, that's the breeders that pay that. And that's yeah, the breeder, yeah, it's yeah, a breeder's market at that high end yeah. point. It's the breeders, they they pay that for their programs. So breeders don't sell, breeders don't sell dogs at that price point to Consumers. Consumers, no. It's to other breeders who then use the look of that DNA to be able to, to create a, a, a crazy looking dog but it might not have all the DNA packed in it, but it looks amazing. And then they can sell that for 10 grand, 15 grand, five grand. So it's 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 a crazy little world, but I'm involved in it and I like it. And and it doesn't take any of my time really. It's just do a mating, put this dog here. And my mum's my mum's actually involved now. I've got my mum, my mum's one of my one of my whelpers, but she enjoys it and it keeps her occupied as well. Do you know what I mean? And that's another thing for me is like doing stuff for my mum as well, bro. Like. It's about my mum, man. My mum really did a lot for me when I was coming up and like even just this little thing now she earns from it and makes from it and it's well, something that I can do. It's family business, mate, involving everyone. Well, I think the, the the big lesson there is like, I always say is you, you can't pour for an empty cup. Of course. So if you want to help people, it's much easier to help people when you've got money than it is exactly. when you're broke. Exactly. So I think uh, like the thing that gets lost a lot, people talk about the passion of making money because they think you're going to spend it on crap. But nah. if you're going to build out teams and you're going to help people and exactly. you're going to change people's That's lives. It's about, it's about and, uh, impacting others. You know, you're impacting others. And I think you're doing a great job of that. And I think you're a great uh, example to, to, 
yeah, the youth of Manchester. Yeah, well, you know, say the world. youth of everywhere. Youth of England, the youth yeah, of yeah. everywhere. So it's like you can you can be in dark, dark places and you can get to the Always, line. always, as long as you maintain belief. That's it, that's believe in yourself. So I think uh, amazing to have you on, Kane. Thank I really, really appreciate it. If you just close off, just let everyone know where they can follow you, where they can find you, you know, what's going on. Yeah, so uh, yeah. to be fair with everybody, you can follow me on on um, on Instagram, KaneM14. That's where you find me. Well, we'll put all the uh, below and in the bio. Bio, you'll be able to find all the links and find Kane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And see his story and find Bada. We'll put Bada Sport. You got Bada raising rivals. You got rival. Look, Luke, that's why I just said that because I could go on all day, but we'll put it in there anyway. But oh, oh. thank you for having me on as well, bro. All good, bro. All good. Bro. Thank you very much. And thanks for watching, guys. If you got here, make sure you should you hit subscribe. We've got loads of podcasts coming every week and loads of information for you. So Let's see go. you soon.